I want to kind of give you a little bit of a prequel before we get into the text today so that you can really understand where we're going to go and how you can fast forward your life in 2019. Regardless of where you land spiritually today or what you believe about the Bible, God's intention is for you to take a next step. In fact, God works big in small next steps. And so we want to help you do that today. So in the Bible's New Testament, there's this book written by a guy named Luke. Luke happened to be a doctor, and he was also a follower of Jesus. He wrote a gospel according to his perspective, and that was about the ministry and the teachings and the life of Jesus. But he also wrote a book called Acts, which talks about the outgrowth of the first century church and its impact on the then known world. And during the time of the text I'm about to read, Paul, who was another follower of Jesus that wrote a significant portion of the New Testament, he wrote letters to churches that he started to help them grow spiritually, letters now included in the Bible. He was a criminal, considered a criminal during his time because he was preaching the gospel. And so he got arrested and was supposed to be going to Rome to stand trial for his crimes, along with about 200 other prisoners. They were going by boat to Rome because they didn't have Uber back then and Lyft. So Luke is writing down with meticulous detail what's happening. And so Paul wakes up, imagine this, on this boat, and he says, hey, everybody, take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and to whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said, but we'll be shipwrecked on an island. <laughs> Not the kind of news that you want to hear when you're going somewhere, is it? Imagine me flying into Kansas City this week, and the guy in 9E stands up and says, hey, I missed the beverage cart, but I had this dream, and the angel of the God that I serve just told me that this plane is going down. But don't worry about it. We're, we're, we're not going to die. I'd say, no, I'd rather land in one piece. That's, oh, that's okay. In the next verse, in verse 44, we learn that the others had to hold on to planks of debris, and they made it to the shore. And I think there's something fascinating in this one verse here. Because a lot of times we become so safe and so secure in the things that carry us from point A to B. And sometimes God likes to break up the things that we feel most safe in. And here's his reason why. Sometimes God has to use debris to get us to our destination. That sometimes God wants to break everything up so that the only thing we can hold on to is our faith. And sometimes faith is the greatest floating device you could ever have. <laughs> Woo! All right. All right. So, so, so now that we have the context of where we want to go, I have to announce something. I'm here. I want to be candid and truthful to you. I hate snakes. Like, dude, dude. I totally hate snakes of every shape, every form, and every size. So a couple of years ago when I got my first invitation to go fly fishing in Montana, I was deathly afraid that I was going to encounter a bunch of snakes. Now let me back up a little bit because there's a lot of lights on in this house, but I want you to notice that there is a high level of melanin in my skin. <laughs> Which means black people don't go fly fishing. <laughs> When I, 
When I got the invite and it said fly fishing, I thought they meant look fly. <laughs> Why are you fishing? Hey, I was like, I can look fly while we fishing. You know what I'm saying? Ah! I didn't think it was like fly fishing, fly fishing. So when I got out to Montana, by the way, I was pretty much the first black person to go to Montana ever. You get off the plane, you think you're in Wakanda, it's not. <laughs> I saw this other black dude with the same shirt on as me. I was like, yo, bro. And then I realized it was a mirror. And um, <laughs> no other black people in Montana ever. But I had a really great time. I'm out in the water and I'm waiting and, you know, I'm thinking, man, what if a snake comes and bite me or something like that? I was so nervous. And then we got back to the lodge and there was this huge snake right where we ate during the day. And one of the friends that were with me, he said, oh, dude, don't worry about that. That's not a poisonous snake. I'm like, bruh, who made you the snake whisperer, number one? Number two, how do you even know it's not poisonous? Like, first of all, I don't want to get bit by a poisonous snake or a non-poisonous snake. Let's just, let's just get that straight. The only snakes that I like have been turned into a belt, purse, a wallet, some Stacey Adams shoes. You know, I, like, I don't like any form of snakes. Though English language has codified the word snake to mean something bad. So if somebody even calls you a snake, it's not a compliment, bro. So we looked at this ill-fated voyage of this guy named Paul and Luke and his crewmates. They're condemned prisoners, and they were shipwrecked. But Luke gives us detail about how the story continues to transpire. We learn that once they were safe on the shore, that they were on the island of Malta. And the people of the island were very kind to us. It was cold and rainy, so they built a fire on the shore to welcome us. As Paul gathered an armful of sticks and was laying them on the fire, a poisonous snake... And even when I read it in the text, my glutes tighten up. I can pick up cherries by the stem right now, man. I'm just like. Driven, I need to take it easy. I'm acting like I'm in New York. All right, so. Driven out by the heat, bit him on the hand. And so before we get into what the snake bite and the significance of that is, is we have to notice something. Commentators tell us that during that time that no man, particularly a person of Paul's stature, would gather sticks and make a fire for other people. In fact, it was the work of women or of children during that culture for them to gather sticks for a fire. Now notice they were shipwrecked. Paul was shipwrecked, but he's still finding an opportunity to serve others. I think there's something powerful that when things happen in our lives that seem to bring us down and to shipwreck our lives, that there's still an opportunity for us to serve people that are near us and need us. Ladies and gentlemen, in this house, maybe God is trying to use your shipwreck, your weakness, your habit, your problem, the thing that affected you so that you can serve others. I want to let you know that sometimes you got to serve other people while you're still suffering. <laughs> all right, all right. So, 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 so we learn something powerful. 
Have you ever noticed that when your life is starting to fast forward, when it's starting to get some momentum, when things are starting to go good in your marriage again, in your relationship, that out of nowhere, a snake, in the most proverbial senses, latches onto you? Am I the only person in this room has ever been doing well and out of nowhere, a habit, a hang-up, a certain person, an old relationship latches back out onto you and you don't know what to do? Trying to siphon away all the progress that you've made, trying to inject you with poison to paralyze you from moving forward. You see, the people on the island, they saw it hanging from his hand and they said to each other, oh, a murderer, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Though he escaped the sea, justice will not permit him to live. You see, the people on that island were not like my friend in Montana, the fake snake whisperer. They knew, they knew their snakes. They had seen many people die from the snake bite that Paul had. And they were superstitious people. They were waiting for Paul to keel over and die. They're looking at him and they're saying, karma is a boa constrictor. What do you think I was going to say? I'm saved. (laughs) But Paul, he shook the snake into the fire and it was unharmed. He goes total Taylor Swift on it and just shakes it off. But the people are waiting for him to swell up or suddenly drop dead. But when they had waited a long time and saw that he wasn't harmed, they changed their minds and decided he was a god. Isn't it so fascinating? They're waiting for him to bowl over, waiting for him to die, waiting for him to be overcome. But when it didn't happen, they decided that he has to be a God. Just like there's some people in this room today. People have been waiting for you to stop serving God, stop coming to velocity, stop giving your faith to him because of what you went through, things that latched on to you in your marriage, in your relationships. And look at you on the second Sunday of January 2019. You're still in the house of God. You still are worshiping God. You're still giving him praise. You're still having friends and community with his kingdom. Why? Because of his mercy. It's the last one. Can I just preach like myself? I want to let you know in this place, some people are going to have to wait a long time before you flop over, baby. I wish you'd high five somebody in this place and say, I'm still here. I'm not going to go nowhere. I'm sticking with it. High five somebody. Come on, high five. You're going to have to wait a long time for my marriage to implode. You're going to have to wait a long time for my kids to go wayward. You're going to have to wait a long time for the trajectory to change because I'm going to be committed. I'm not going to let the poison paralyze me. (laughs) Because the God that we serve delights in taking us from shipwrecks to sometimes dealing in a world where we get snake bites. And the snake bites are intended to take us somewhere else. Luke tells us that they got near the shore where they landed, and there was an estate belonging to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us and treated us kindly for three days. Publius is Rome's head honcho on the island. He's Rome's representative. And we learn here, as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever. Now, I got to pause here for a second, okay? Because I was born and raised in the Bronx, but my parents are Jamaican which makes me a Jafakin, right? So, um, <laughs> but since I was raised in a Jamaican home and we speak Patois, Jamaican, I read this verse to my church the first time and I said, as it happened, Publius's father was ill with fever and dysentery. And 
Somebody said, no, that's wrong. I said, no, that is dysentery. Like God is going to move in this century. <laughs> Not the last century, this century. <laughs> Somebody came up to me and said, Pastor Way, actually, it's dysentery, okay? <laughs> it, it, it. I said, no, dysentery. <laughs> said, no, it means diarrhea. I'm like, why couldn't the Bible just say the runs? Like, I understand that. This entry. But here it is. Paul went in and prayed for him. Here it is. And laying his hands on him, he healed him. Now, remember, I opened up this message with the idea that Luke is a doctor. He's the guy that's the Ph.D. He went to med school. He's so intelligent that he's giving us details and telling us that the guy had dysentery. I mean, dysentery. He knows what's going on to diagnose the sickness. And yet for all in this story, God doesn't use the guy with the PhD to do the healing. He uses the guy with the wounded, oh, the wounded hand to do the healing. What if God is trying to talk to somebody in this house? You've been wounded in a relationship. You've been wounded in the past. You've been wounded as a child. And instead of holding on to your pain, maybe God is trying to release you to heal some sick people because you won't hold back your pain. God delights in taking us from our shipwrecks. And sometimes life, unfortunately, gives us snake bites. But he takes us to people that are sick so that they're not paralyzed by the poison. Can I say something to you today? I hope you're not going to allow yourself not to fast forward because you're paralyzed with joy, from joy or anxiety or fear, or you won't forgive others, or you won't restore a relationship. One of the most, or maybe two of the most powerful words that somebody needs to say in this room to somebody or to God is, I'm sorry. Because it's paralyzing you. But when all the other people saw that one guy was healed, everybody on the island came out because they were healed as well. God didn't use the professional doctor in this story. He uses somebody with pain. And what if the bite that you received in 2018 or the year 2000 or 1951 or whenever you were born, what if that bite is supposed to be the greatest blessing to Lawrence, Kansas right now? Notice the trajectory <laughs> from the shipwreck to the snake bite to the sick. And as a result, verse 10, we were showered with honors. And when the time came to sail, when the time came for them to move forward, for them to fast forward, people supplied us with everything we needed for the trip. In other words, God wants to get us his supplies. And sometimes you got to go through a shipwreck, a snake bite, and be involved in the lives of sick people before you ever get to the supplies. And God will use people that don't even go to this church to bless you with what you need. Come on, Velocity. I feel like in this room today, there's some people that need to shake some stuff off. You got to get that pain off of you. You got to get that weakness off of you. You got to get that old stubborn habit off of you. So, so let's, let, let's make this practical. How do we integrate this and bring this into your Monday so that it's useful for the balance of this calendar year? Here's what you got to do. Here's the practical application. Serve others. 
serve others. Notice the trend of the trajectory. When they're shipwrecked, Paul's serving others, building fires. When, when he's snake-bitten, he's serving people that are sick. And it led them to supplies. Maybe the thing that you need to do this year to fast forward is to begin serving on one of our teams here so that God can bring you to the supplies that are nearer to you than you think. And even with all of that, I still hate snakes. <laughs> like legit. <laughs> really hate snakes. Struggle with it. Maybe that's why I struggle with loving God. Because Jesus is a snake. Oh, the air went out the room. Some of the sisters in the house, like Pastor Justin, I had liked him before he started talking about my God. Let me elaborate for you. Jesus is having this conversation with a guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus is really smart, religious leader, went to seminary, gets it. But he doesn't get the things of God in the details. And so Jesus keeps explaining to him and gets down to a point where he says, And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up so that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. Jesus compared himself to a snake. He self-identified in a very interesting way. Now... We have to go back to an Old Testament book called Numbers to learn why this comparison happens. Numbers, for those of us that have made Jesus leader and Lord in our lives, is the book that you skip over on your annual Bible reading plan. <laughs> You're like, be that begot this person on oh, Lord. I need to find some good stuff. I need, I need to hear how I'm going to get blessed. You just skip over Numbers. I want to make it relevant, though, for you guys that are here today, particularly some of you single guys here. I know you want to find a beautiful Christian young lady or something, somebody you want to, you know, spend your life with. So let me help you with the book of Numbers so I can make it relevant for you. First of all, you got to, you know, get your head cocked the right way if you're going to talk to the ladies the right way, you know. <laughs> Lick your bottom lip a lot because that, that works. Like, hey, girl, <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing you at the, you know, the last service at Velocity on Sundays. Yeah, yeah, I noticed you. Yeah, I saw you getting coffee last week. And, you know, I just felt like led to come over and talk to you. So, yeah, you, you know, I've been in my Bible reading plan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> been in the book of Numbers. Yeah, yeah, Numbers. Yeah, God's really been dealing with my heart through it, you know. And I got to the end of the book of Numbers just yesterday. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me so clear and so strong through it. And he said, I don't got your number. <laughs> Best Bible study you got out of the book of Numbers ever. More seriously, Jesus is referring to a passage in Numbers, the 21st chapter, where he talks about the people of Israel, the Jewish people on their way toward the promised land. There was a group of people called the Edomites. They didn't want Israel to pass through, and it was a shortcut for them to get where they were going. So the people grew impatient with the long journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses, and they said, why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? There's nothing to eat here, and there's nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible man. Manna was angelic food provided to humans with all the nutrients that they needed. It was gluten-free and organic, and they got tired of it. <laughs> so the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people. 
And many were bitten and died because sometimes in the Old Testament, we see that the way God corrected some behavior or allowed behavior to be corrected was through judgment. That's not God's nature and is not its heart, his heart at all. But in cases in the Old Testament, this happened. And so the people came to Moses and cried out, we've sinned against the Lord by speaking against you. Pray to the Lord and let him take away the snake. So Moses prayed for the people and then the Lord told him, okay, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. All who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. This is strange because the Ten Commandments tells the people not to make any graven images whatsoever. But Moses' obedience, because here's the thing, sometimes... The only way to react to God's absurd demands is through absurd obedience. And that's why when you're following and you're going to fast forward, you can never make obedience optional. So, so, so Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to a pole. Can you imagine him saying, God, you want me to put this snake on a pole? Yes, I want you to put that snake on. You really want to make Yes. God turned Moses into Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> He's like, you really want me to take this snake and put it on a pole? Seriously, God? Here's why. Because sin causes death. Anywhere you look at it, sin always comes with some sort of recourse. And sometimes it leads us into bigger things than we intended. And the heart of our Father is to move us away from the things that destroy us from fast-forwarding into a relationship with him. So if you're here and you're not sure what you believe about the Bible, you're not sure, you're kicking the tires of your faith, can I tell you today that sometimes we look at God as this cosmic cop that wants to give us tickets for all the things that we do. And yet for all, God is always trying to provide remedies for our offenses. This is why the Bible teaches that all of us have been snake bitten. Our, we have this thing, a nature that makes us want to reach after things that God doesn't want us to reach after. So he gave us his only son that whoever believes in him, simple, would not perish but have eternal life. Because Jesus was not sent into the world to condemn it or to judge it. He came into the world to give it life. And so God has always provided something for us that's supernatural that we cannot explain so that we can find him. Because all of us have a master's degree in being the CEO of our own universe. We have advanced degrees in impression management because we don't want anybody to think that we're not broken and snake bitten. But what God does is he provides simple solutions that if you just trust in him, all they had to do was look at a snake on a pole and they were healed. Today, if you ever put your faith and trust in Jesus, all you have to do is believe that God gave his only son for your sins, that he died and rose again so that you can have life and you will be saved. It's so simple, you almost feel like you have to save 15% or more on your car insurance afterwards. <laughs> it's speedy, it's salvific, meaning that it's sure. So what I'm saying to you today is, too many of us in Lawrence and in American Christianity don't follow a detail. Now remember, Jesus said, or God in the text said to Moses, you got to lift up the pole with the snake on it. Jesus said the pole needed to be lifted up. Here's the problem with us. We love an eye-level Jesus. And if you're ever going to be saved, God has to be on a different level in your life. 
a different level in your priorities, a different level in your finances, a different level in your worship, a different level in your sacrifices, a different level in your life. He has to be high and lifted up if you're ever going to be drawn up. God doesn't have to remove the snakes, the proverbial snakes in our lives, but he will provide the remedy. <laughs> Men and women fell into sin with a look. Adam and Eve looked at a fruit, thought it was good, broke God's word, and plummeted us into chasing after our own desires. But the whole Bible, Old Testament through New Testament, it seems as though God is echoing one refrain. Look to me. Look to me and be saved. Look to me and be saved. Lift your eyes and look to me and be saved. Maybe this is why the writer in Hebrews tells us that we should run with patience with the race that's set before us. Doing what? Looking to Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith. And that's the application. You just got to keep looking at Jesus. Wherever you land spiritually right now, look to Jesus. And I guarantee you, you won't let that poison paralyze you. Now, if you're here today and you know that there's some things that are in your life from 2018 or 2016 or whatever, I may ask you to do something that might feel a little bit silly. As you're raising your hand because you're saying, I want to pray with you, Wayne, I want, I, I want you to pray for me, I want you to just kind of shake your wrist a little bit. If you know that there's something that's holding on to you, something that is not giving you the freedom that you feel to move forward, why don't you raise your hand with me if you're a follower of Jesus and you're saying, there's some things I want to shake off and leave in January because I'm moving forward. Look at how many.